everyone. Shalom. Christ's blessings to you. We're studying a sort of series within the whole series of study on the book of Ephesians. And we are in chapter 5, and we begin with verse 21, and this whole section comprises of up to chapter 6, verse 33. And this entire section has to do with relationships, very close relationships, marital relationship between husband and wife, family relations between parents and children, and work relationship between masters and slaves. And I mentioned over and over that this outline of the husband, wife, parents, children, masters, slaves is simply the social cultural structure of those days. This is not something original on the part of Paul. This is something that was taken for granted that anytime they talk about structures, they spoke in these terms. And this was a very, very common thing in the Greco-Roman world. And the Jews were very much familiar with that, and they pretty much affirmed this way. And the whole theme here is that of authority and submission. Authority and submission. But as I mentioned over and over, Paul is not trying to bring some kind of reform to the structure itself. He's not trying to put on a war against the the Roman Empire in this regard. Uh, so he basically accepts the social structure. He basically accepts the authority structure. But what he does with that through his message, that's the original thing. That's the revolutionary thing. You might even say that Paul is basically redefining the whole concept of authority and submission. And today we'll be studying about uh, parents-children relationship. So I would like to ask all the children to maybe pay attention to the best of your ability. And I think you will really benefit from this. Know what your role is. Know what your parents' roles are. Okay? So let us begin with chapter 6, with verse 1, and we'll read all the way to verse 4. Children, you can read it along with the grown-ups. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction, sort of a summary of what we covered thus far, and then I'll get right into the text. As you recall, in verse 21 of chapter 5, Paul began with a sort of a guiding principle. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, if you just think about this passage, it covers everything. If we are willing to submit to one another, that is, surrender our rights and think about the rights of others. Think about the benefits of others. Then, I think all things can really, really work out. Just think about any kind of relationship. And if you are willing to submit first, be Christ-like to others, be willing to wash other people's feet, that can pretty much settle all kinds of matters and all kinds of conflicts. And only in this context, in verse 22, Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands 
as you do to the Lord. And it was understood that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. But what Paul does is he brings dignity to this submission by saying, I want you to submit as though you're submitting unto the Lord. If you were to submit unto the Lord, there's something of a dignity to your submission. Can you do that, even project that onto your husband? Not necessarily because he's perfect, but because he has been placed as an authority over you. And at least the social structure was such as that. And so he's saying, wives, can you submit, not reluctantly, not simply because you have to, not because this is the system and the tradition of those days, but out of reverence for Christ. Are you willing to do that? He's qualifying that by saying, out of reverence for Christ, respect your husband. Then he goes right on to the husbands. And he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And all throughout this section in which Paul exhorts the husbands and instructs the husbands, there's no sense of domination. No sense of like overbearing and saying, because I'm the head, I have the finer say and I have control over you. You must listen to me. None of that. And yet all throughout church history, so many men have taken use of this text to be overbearing upon their wives. Rather, what Paul says is that if you are placed as a head over the family and over your wife, then you must really care for them, cherish them, protect them, and place them in the best light possible before the presence of the Lord because you will be held accountable before the Lord. And only after he addressed this issue between husband and wife in terms of authority and submission, now he's talking about Children. So in verse 1, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So I would like to start with verse 1. Children, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Apostle Paul says, children should obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right, or this is righteous. Did you know that all throughout human history, you look at any society, any culture, you'll see that this principle is, is well accepted. There's no questioning about children obeying their parents. This is the right thing to do. This is the righteous way as children. This is a universal Principle. Do you know why children have to obey their parents? I thought our daughter was going to say, because it's the law. Because <laughs> it's in the word. But let me tell you why the children have to obey their parents. Because children are placed under the care of parents so that the parents can raise them up. And without parents, children cannot survive. Do you know who fed you? Do you know who diaper changed you? Do you know who took care of you when you were sick? Do you know who provides <laughs> hundreds and thousands of dollars each year to provide food for you, provide education for you? And do you know how long they have to do that? 
See, human children are different from animal children, if I may call them that. You know? Have you seen a, like a gazelle in the, in the wilderness somewhere in Africa? You know, being born? I saw that in a documentary once. And when they're born, almost immediately, within a day, they have to get on their wobbly legs. And they have to, you know, they have to be able to, to start walking right away. Why? Because it's dangerous out there. You know, they are hyenas, they are lions, and they could become prey for wild animals unless they learn to adapt. So right after they are born, they begin to adapt. And you know, it's kind of funny. They're wobbly, wobbly like this, and then they get strong within a matter of a day or two. And they're following their mommy around. Have you ever seen a little human baby doing that? Like going, and start walking? All right, you just don't see that, do you? And it just goes to show that human beings, human child is so helpless that that child needs mommy and daddy's care for many, many months before they can be independent and many, many years before they can work things out on their own, you see. And that's why the children must obey their parents. Why? So that they can grow safely and healthily. You know, parents are not trying to be bossy over you. They're just trying to do their job. Because that's the right thing to do for their parents, to raise up their kids. So by you obeying the parents, you are cooperating with what God had intended for your parents to do. That is to help raise you up. But here, the term obey is so much stronger than the term submit. Would you agree? Because obedience has to do with something external. It's not just a state of mind. You have to do it. You have to externally obey. If, if the father says do this, then the son has to do it. If mother says do that, daughter has to do it. It's obedience. And this was according to, in Roman Empire, what is known as patria potestas. Could you repeat after me with that Italian accent? Can you do that? Patria. Potestas. Potestas. It means the power of the Father. The fathers were given this power in this Latin culture. Absolute power over his children. Actually, they were given power to sentence their children even to death if they wanted to. And when the baby was born, if the father didn't like the baby, they could say, oh, leave it out in the street. And forget taking care of that. And that was illegal in those days. That's how powerful the fathers were. And fathers' words were absolute in those days. So children could not. Because if they did, they would receive the rod on their behind. You know, there's nothing like that today. Because the law protects our children, and rightfully so. But in those days, it was very cruel. But here, what we need to understand is this. It is one thing being submissive and being obedient to the parents. I believe in that. And I was a rebellious uh, young kid myself. I, uh, during my teenage days, I did rebel. I did disobey my parents in certain, certain aspects. And I have repented of that since. Okay? But obedience does not mean 
obedience does not mean always, absolutely, forever. Because the time will come when the child will grow up, right? Okay? And the child is going to find somebody else and get married, and they're going to have their own family, right? So when they have their own family, you can't expect that child obeying the father, whatever the father says. When you come of age, you're not bound to necessarily obey your parents. Okay, that's what I can say. Okay? Secondly, sometimes the parents are unbelieving parents, and you're a believing person, and your parents are telling you to do something that goes against the scripture, against your conscience, against the will of God. Then you must exercise disobedience. Even Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to follow me, then in a way, you must hate your father and mother. Yeah. So there is a place for disobedience. So I want you to understand that this exhortation to obey is not an absolute thing, unconditional thing. It has to be qualified in a specific way. Now, having said that, more important than just the act of obedience is what we find in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Now, this, I believe, is absolute. Showing respect, showing honor to your parents because they rightfully deserve your honor, your respect. Children, listen to me once again. I told you about how much your parents had to invest in your lives, right? All those years, all those energies, all those money, okay? And they really concentrated on you to raise you up. Don't you think you owe them something? We're not asking you to pay back. We're asking you to show respect and honor. Now, if somebody, a friend of yours, did even one-tenth of what the parents have done, you're honored and you're respected. You remember them for the rest of your lives. But we tend to take our parents for granted and forget what they have done for us. Just giving us life instead of throwing us out there to die. You know, they did not exercise patria potestas. Thank God for that. My father didn't. He showed me a lot of mercy. He showed me a lot of care. He wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. But I respect him, honor him, even to this day. He's in heaven right now, and I bless him. I bless him. So we need to honor our parents out of gratitude. And more than anything, we need to honor them as a way of honoring God. See, how can you honor God, who is our Heavenly Father, when you cannot even honor your earthly father? You know, children who do not show honor and respect to their earthly parents have difficult time later showing honor to God. They always have an authority issue, even towards God. So if you want to have good relationship with God, start practicing with your parents. Show honor and show respect to your parents. Now that's all I have to say about children, because as you know, Paul is... Not so much focusing on the children. He's starting off with children. He started off with wives. And later on, he starts with slaves. But he wants to really get to the authority figures. He wants to say something more significant to the authority figures. And uh, let's get to that. Oh, just one more thing that I want to say before I end. 
Honoring your parents will lead to future prosperity. In verse 2b and 3, it says, Which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, this is one of the commandments, Ten Commandments. And now some of you might debate, Well, I thought the second commandment was the first commandment with that promise. It promises that uh, God will punish those who do not, those who commit idolatry, and uh, He will show love to a thousand generations to those who worship the Lord. Okay? But actually, this commandment is talking about the very nature of God as a jealous God. And because He is a jealous God, He is jealous for His honor. This commandment, of honoring your father is actually the first commandment with a promise. None of the commandments come with a promise. And the Jews, they have a way of placing this fifth commandment along with the first half instead of the latter half. You know, the first five or the first half of the commandments would be our obligation to God and the second half would be our obligation to fellow human beings. But the Jewish tradition is they place it right with honoring of God. So think about how close that is. In your devotion to God, how you relate to your parents is crucial. And I'm gaining more and more wisdom about this and conviction about this more and more. How I relate to my parents, how I view my parents, have a lot to do with how I will view God in the long run. Now, having said that, I will now go to the parents. Let's begin with verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Two commands Apostle Paul gives here. One in the negative, one in the positive. First, he says, do not exasperate your children. You know, I didn't even have to look up that term in the, in the dictionary. Even long ago, I can, I can tell in that term. It's like, I can, I can sense the angst in the word, exasperate. What does it mean? It means to irritate or frustrate intensely. To provoke children to resentment and anger so that they explode. And you know that this is true all throughout human history and maybe your own personal history. As you look back, a major problem that we, having grown up, when we are children, especially when we are teenagers, we tend to be rebellious is because of this exasperation that we have. The parents causing such a sense of exasperation in our hearts. We rebel against that. We know that this is not natural. We know this is not good. We know that this is not healthy, and therefore we rebel against that. So today I have a few words for the parents as to how not to exasperate your children. Or rather, if you do this, you will definitely exasperate your children, and in due time you will reap the fruit of that. That is rebellion. You don't want rebellious kids? If possible, do not exasperate them. I know they can still turn rebellious because of the sinful nature that is in them. 
and the influence of the society and especially the internet and all that. They can learn the wrong things even though the parents are not at fault. I know that. But I do have to say, parents are very much at fault in so many ways. I know that I was at fault too. And that may have caused and contributed to some kind of rebellion. First of all, anything that is harsh and legalistic, okay, that is a no-no. That is a way of exasperating anybody. Commanding, demanding. Parents acting as bullies. Wow, you don't like to hear that word, right? You don't like your kids getting bullied at school, right? But sometimes parents can bully their own kids because they're bigger, they're stronger, they're smarter. And so they utilize their attributes to domineer the kids. Being overly critical, rebuking and correcting every little thing, too much, too much. That can exasperate kids. Showing favoritism. Showing comparison. Do not ever do that. Not even between kids. Your sister is like this. Your cousin's like this. And, and your friend is like that. How come you're not? That is the worst thing you can do. Because once you do that, something inside of the kid dies. And they, they explode. And you know what happened to Jacob and Esau? Because the parents you know, took them aside and favored one over the other. Shaming them or humiliating them in the public. That's a no-no, but not even in the private, you know. I think our daughter, she, she, later we find out when she's been crying and crying over some issue, she felt shame. I felt like I learned that. Or she was feeling shame and humiliation. So even when we scold her, even when, when we correct her, we have to do it the right way so that we don't uh, give them too much shame. Let's not kill the ego so much. They feel like they're trampled on. Setting unachievable goals. Setting the bar too high. You can do this. You better do it. If not, you know. And I think I was a little bit like that with first. I do have to say in certain things, especially in sports and in her activities, I, I established that. And may, I didn't know that she was trying so hard to please me every time. But in the process, that can become a very frustrating thing. And then being too possessive or overly protective to a point that you smother the kid. You know? And I was a very affectionate dad, so like, yeah, that's my kid. But first could take that, but some other kids, they have very difficult time with that. <laughs> And I, I was trying to say, I, you know, I love you so much. You know, I'm watching every move. That can be smothering. That can be scary. That could be like in a horror movie. You know, the parents are like in control. I'll be watching over you. I am your big daddy and mommy and, and so forth. Another thing that we need to be very careful is in our discipline that we are not erratic. And that is we do with reason. We do with sensitivity. Not just erratically as I feel like. For example, disciplining out of anger. Never ever, when you lose your control or temper, try to discipline the kids. First of all, bring yourself to a sense of composure and calmness. That's very important. I know my own experience with my father when occasionally he was so angry, he just, you know, he took out a rod and started, you know, like disciplining us. 
And any time I experienced something like that, I, as a little kid growing up, I thought something wasn't right, you know, because he was simply angry. He was taking it out on me. And a little child can see that that's not right. That's too much. So any kind of excessive, unreasonable discipline that children may feel like this is unfair is not going to do. Discipline has to correspond with the faults or the mistakes or the, their level of disobedience. And discipline kids without explaining to them, without setting any kind of standard. Just discipline, a road style. You know, you have to. You're going to be a soldier one day. You're going to be. A, you're going to be a fighter one day. You got to survive in this tough world without explaining to what this is. That's another frustration I had growing up. Sometimes my dad would just tell me to do things, and I'll ask him because I was a very inquisitive type of kid. Why that? Because I wasn't trying to be rebellious. I wanted to know why. Can you not tell me? He said, my father got so frustrated. He says, because I told you so. That's not a reason. I told you so is not a reason. Yeah. By the way, I'm not saying all this because he's passed away and uh, he's in heaven in good place. I'm just saying it because out of my total respect for my dad, uh, I think he wouldn't feel insecure at all, me talking about this. because He knows more than anyone that I really honored him and loved him. But having said that, he was not a perfect dad. And I realized even as a young boy growing up that that's not right. Something about this is inconsistent. Double standards, the changing standards, so inconsistent in our rules. Kids get all confused and frustrated over that. Now having said that, being overly permissive is wrong too. That can cause a lot of confusion for kids. You know, like no boundaries. No accountability. Do whatever. Figure this out. You know. You gotta, you gotta mature on your own. You know, survival of the fittest is not gonna work. And that can also contribute to great, great frustrations. But what I really want to say has to do with parents forgetting to show respect to their kids, not prioritizing them. Kids can read that, not being attentive to them. Kids can sense that. And if they don't feel loved, validated, or valued by their parents, guess what? The angst starts building up. Han starts getting just imploded. And then it's a matter of time before they will burst. Neglecting to spend time with the kids, breaking your promises, not genuinely listening to them or understanding your children, that can also contribute to their frustration. One other thing that I would like to mention, two other things as a matter of fact. First is refusing to admit your fault when you have offended your kid, when you've done wrong, you made a mistake, you, you discipline unfairly. And you refuse to admit your guilt because that somehow affects your parental authority or so. That's the worst thing you can do. My recommendation to you is this. Be willing to say, I'm sorry to your kids. As much as possible, that's okay. I don't think they're going to show less respect because you said you're sorry. Rather, it will show that you are authentic towards them and that you are also weak and you also falter. You need the forgiveness of God and grace of God. And they learn that language. Uh, I've learned to do that, even with my kids. If I do something wrong, I make sure 
Did I admit my mistake? Did I say I'm sorry to them? The one word of I'm sorry, I hurt your feeling. I, I think daddy was a little too much on that and it was not fair. I think that does so much to reestablish a sense of esteem in a child. Finally, finally, this is very important. Listen, all your parents, mistreating your spouse, mistreating the child's mom, mistreating the child's dad, that does more to cause a sense of sort of injustice in the heart of the kids. And I've experienced that a little bit. And I, I see that in my own relation with my wife, that if we do something like that, it affects the children. And I'm very observant about other relationships where parents are doing that. Don't you know that you're undermining your authority structure by doing that? You're supposed to be co-authority over the children, and you are undermining your fellow authority figure. And that has a way of sending a message to the kids, saying, you know what? Daddy doesn't respect mom, so why should I respect mom? Mom doesn't respect dad, why should I respect dad? You see how this has a way of undermining everything that God has established for you. So I know this was a quick sort of a overview, but if you want any kind of lesson in this, you know, go to get some books on parenting, and they will tell you, first of all, how not to exasperate your children which is exactly what Paul is talking about. But he doesn't end with the negative. He wants to really get at the next part, and that is the latter part of verse 4. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up means bodily nourishment as well as mental education. Bring them up. Raise them up. How? Through training. Training has to do with Something that you do, put things to action, deeds. Instruction has to do with words. Bring them up bodily and physically and externally through action. That's what we call training or discipline. And also the instructions. Give them an understanding of what this is about. Bring them up, raise them up, train them, and instruct them. That's why Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We are helping to establish a foundation for our children. No. Establish a good foundation, and that will benefit them for the rest of their lives, even when they are old. And that's how important parenting is, and that we parent well in the Lord. Finally, 2 Timothy 3.16. I think you should underline this text because it's got precisely what we need to do as parents. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I think parents should follow this way, the scriptural way. The scripture itself teaching them, but we are the instructors. We take the scripture, which is God-breathed or God-inspired, and we use it to teach our children, rebuke them, correct them, align them, train them in righteousness. And I believe if uh, the parents can truly set their mind to make this a priority, 
and remembering not to exasperate them, not to let this whole training backfire by frustrating them, then I think we will be successful as parents. Amen? Amen. So I don't have any more to say. I'm, I don't mean to, you know, sort of badger you or, you know, you know, pressure you because you as parents have so much task at hand. I am a parent too. And I am not a perfect parent. I have to learn through three children. And sometimes I feel like I, I wish I knew it earlier. For first, but we're working on Anna right now. And uh, we, we are still not finished. And not only our physical children, but spiritual children too. I apply this in discipleship too. And my students, it's all applicable to anybody who are under my authority. So let's, let us seriously think about it. I know this passage is so short. It's just four passages. And we can just kind of breeze through this. But we need to stick to the word. Each one of those words, each aspect of the instruction, we need to carefully, carefully meditate and abide by them. So let's read Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4 once again, and let's close this message. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray.